All right, are you guys ready? Let's jump right into the message today. We're on our series called Core Strength. Core Strength, we've been talking about different cultural values that we want to have in our lives, and if we will put those things into our lives, then we believe that God will create a culture that's going to grow us up and build us into the, the sons and daughters of God that he created us to be. And the purpose of this, this whole series is about us learning and, and growing into God's definition of who he has for us. And that's our goal. When you come to church and experience a worship experience or come get involved in our connect groups or serve on the dream team, our overall goal is to help you know who you are in Christ and begin to function in who he created you to be. It's not to be just something about somebody else or entertained by a message or worship or anything like that. It's also for you to know who you are, what Jesus died to give you, and so that you can become everything that he created you to be. That's our desire. That's our goal. That's what we feel like we're building towards, and that's what this core strength series is about. So if you got your Bibles, your sermon notes, get those out. Let's open to Mark chapter six. Woo! Woo. About time for a new Bible looks like. Either that or some super glue or something. Getting wore out. Mark chapter six. We'll start reading in verse one. We've been on, on all our different core values. I'll go through them quickly. One was we want to be with him. His presence means everything. Then we said we do life together. Relationships make us stronger. It's about our connect groups and serving together and hanging out together. Then we talked about pulling on the leash. We pull on the leash. Big faith, big risks because we serve a big God. Then we live generously. Freely we receive. Freely we give. We're going to have a culture of generosity. Then we bring our A game. Excellence reflects God. Then we said we take nothing for granted. Appreciation is fuel for the future. And today, the core value is we live with honor and integrity. We value people and what is right. We live with honor and integrity. So today, we're going to talk about honor. We're going to talk about integrity. And I believe these two principles are very important in how we live our lives as individuals, as people, and how we live our lives as believers. So let's check it out here in Mark chapter 6. I'm going to start reading there in verse 1. It says, then he, talking about Jesus, he went out from there and came to his own country. Look at your neighbor and say, own country. And the reason I say that is because you need to know where this is. Jesus was going into his own country. He's going back home. Going back home. Home is where the heart is, they say. And he was going, going back home to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, this is Sabbath for them was on a Saturday, but this is like church day, you could say. So on church day, guess what? Where was he on church day? He was in church. Jesus was in church. He wasn't at home saying, well, all I need is me and the Father. I'm going to be in church. Why? Because Jesus wanted to be of something. To, he wanted to help other people. He was in church on the, on the Lord's day and on church day. And he said, look what happened. He began to teach them in the synagogue. How many knows if Jesus was on the docket to preach that day, that'd be a pretty good sermon to go to? I mean, I'm thinking if Jesus was filling the pulpit, I'm not going to skip that day. If I find out Jesus is preaching, I'm like, Jesus, the Son of God is preaching. I want to hear that sermon. That's what we would think looking back because we know him as Jesus. But I want you to see what happened. It was Jesus, the Son of God, that was preaching, but he was in his own country, remember? And I want you to see what happened when Jesus himself, the Son of God, see if he got the same response that we're talking about. It says, and many hearing him, so they're hearing Jesus, they were astonished. And they said this, 
where did this man get these things? Notice they said man. Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him? <laughs> Don't you hear the sarcasm? You know, who's, who's this? where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here among us? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor. Everybody say without honor. He's not without honor except three places. Three places. Check this out. In his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. In his own house. Now let's see what this is talking about. First it says in verse 3, that they were offended. That word offended means to trip up or to stumble, to fall into a trap, a stumbling block in the way. So these people were tripped up. This is the first biblical reference of someone tripping. They were tripping that Jesus was speaking. He was saying something and they, they were stumbling on the fact. What were they stumbling on? They weren't stumbling on what he did. They weren't stumbling on the mighty works. They weren't stumbling on what he said. They weren't stumbling on the wisdom. What were they stumbling on? What was causing them to trip up? What was causing them to stumble was not what he said, but who said it. And here's what honor is a key, that sometimes we got to be careful that we don't start determining from God who we choose to receive from and who we don't receive from. Because what he said was undeniable. It was incredible wisdom. They'd never heard anybody talk like this before. Who gave this wisdom to this man? This is amazing. And all these mighty works, it's awesome. But, but, but it's Jesus. Now, when we say it's Jesus, we say it's Jesus. But back then, because he's in his hometown, they said it's Jesus. We would go, it's Jesus. They go, it's Jesus. Totally different perspective. Totally different perspective because they were too familiar. Now the word honor, he says, a prophet is not without honor. Here's what the word honor means, to prize something, to fix a value on something, to revere, to esteem it, to make it valuable, to make it precious, to set a price on something. So if something is valuable, then you honor it. You cannot honor something you don't value. If something's not important to you, you won't honor it because it's not precious to you. And he said, a prophet is not without value, not without honor, not without being revered or esteemed except in three places. Now let's look at these three places. I think it was cool that he put three layers down. You know, sometimes the Bible, they don't just use words to be using words. He used them for a reason. The word country means like your home region where you're from, like your hometown. For me, it'd be Ellery, Ellery Albion, Illinois, that area. That's my hometown. That's my region. That's my country. But then the next one is from your relatives. He says your relatives. That, your relatives are your extended family, your, your kinfolk. These are blood relatives, but they're extended relatives. And then the third one is in your own house. And the word house means your direct family. These are your peeps. These are your family, your spouse and your children, your direct family. So he says, a prophet is not without honor. He's, not, he's always valued. He's always revered. He's always thought of as precious or he or she. They're always thought as precious except for when you're in your hometown, when you're around your relatives, or when you're around your own family. 
What is going on? What does he mean by that? Here's what the Lord spoke to me. The opportunity to not value or honor is greatest where we're the most familiar. The opportunity to not value or honor someone is the greatest where we're the most familiar. You know how it is that sometimes the people that you know the best are the ones that you can honor the least? See, if we get so familiar with someone, the trap is we get so familiar with people that we don't value, that they are very important to us, that they're, they're special, that we need to make sure that we honor their presence in our life. Sometimes we can get so used to something, so familiar to something, that we won't receive from God through that something. Because sometimes we want to determine what God can do and how he can speak to us. And sometimes God will use a vessel to speak to your life that you think is too familiar. It'll just be oh so-and-so. That oh so-and-so could be your kids. That oh so-and-so could be your spouse. Sometimes we're so familiar in our, in our relationships that we won't receive from someone that's close to us. God's telling us we want to have an honor system where we value and honor even those that are close to us. We don't get too familiar with people that we won't receive from God. We don't get too familiar with people that we see on a regular basis to think that God can't speak through them, that use them to touch my life. You don't want to be limited to only certain people. You know how there's some people in your life that they just think you're the greatest, think you're the smartest person in the world? They love to call you for advice. They would call you from around the globe. They would come talk to you from all over. You come to speak to them. They're like, oh man, it's so great. And then you got people in your own family who wouldn't cross the street to talk to you. <laughs> what is the difference? Are you different? No, the honor is different. And I'm telling you, we will not receive from something we don't honor. We won't receive from something we don't honor. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But how you see someone is important. Look what they did. Look what it says in verse three. They said, is not this, is this not the carpenter? Was Jesus a carpenter? Yes. Was he only a carpenter? No. It says, is not this the son of Mary? Now notice what it says, the son of Mary. Joseph has already passed away. Joseph is already out of the scene. You remember at the cross, Joseph wasn't there. Joseph's already died. He already passed away because in this culture, in this time, they would never have called him the son of Mary if Joseph was still alive. He would have been the son of Joseph. So for whatever reason, the Bible doesn't explain, it doesn't talk about it, but for some reason, Jesus' dad, Joseph, has already passed away. What's significant about that is to tell you that Jesus can relate. If you've lost a loved one close to you, Jesus can relate. Because I'm going to be asking Jesus, son of God, why didn't you bring your dad back to life? Why did you allow your dad to die? Why did your dad die on your watch? I don't know. I don't know, but I know Joseph's not there. So he can relate to you no matter what you're facing. Powerful situation. So he said the son of, he said he was the son of Mary. Was he the son of Mary? Yes. Was he only the son of Mary? No, he was not only the son of Mary, but he was the son of God. And here's what honor does. Honor doesn't just see people a certain way. Honor sees them for everything that they are. How you see someone limits how you'll receive from someone. Isn't he just a carpenter? Yeah. Okay then you will only get a carpenter's benefit in your life. He'll come over and fix some tables and chairs for you, but that's all he'll do for you. But if you'll see him as the son of God, he'll do a miracle in your life. Is he the son of Mary? Yeah, he's the son of Mary. So you can have friendship with him. You can, you can go hang out to family gatherings with him. But if that's all you see him as, and you don't see him as the son of God, he, you will not get the full benefit of what you could get from him. And I'm telling you, how you see people, how you honor people will determine what you can receive from that person. 
How you honor your parents will determine what you can receive from your parents. Oh, that's just mom and dad. Other people may be calling your parents, want to hear they think your parents are wonderful, whatever. And if you don't honor your parents, the Bible says, honor your parents that, it may, that you may live a long life. It's the first commandment with a promise. Amen, parents. You said that took a great opportunity for you to preach. <laughs> but you know, we need to honor our children. We need to honor our children, make sure that we're honoring them and valuing them and, and thanking God for who they are. Sometimes we take things for granted but we need to live with honor. What we value determines what we receive. Hey, he's just a carpenter. He's just the son of Mary. And Jesus was wanting to do some great things. Here's the results. What's some results of being without honor? What happens when you don't honor? Look at verse five. So verse four says they were without honor. So here's what happens. Here's the result of that in verse five. Now, now why? Because he's without honor, he could do no mighty works there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Let's see what that means. He could do no mighty work there. That word mighty work is a Greek word dunamis, which means miraculous power. So this is Jesus, the son of God, who's saying that he could do no miraculous things there. Why not? This is Jesus. Jesus can do whatever he wants. Absolutely, Jesus could do whatever he wants. But what was the factor that was limiting what Jesus did? It says he could do no mighty work there except that he lays his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Now, here's the important part. You need to hear this. The word healed them there is a Greek word for therapy, therapuo. I'm not sure that's that right pronunciation, but I'm going to roll with it. But it means for therapy. And what it means there, I gave you that there in your sermon notes, it means to help someone, to bring them along, to try and walk them into health. It doesn't mean miraculous thing. It means that doing natural things to help them get back. And what it tells me is that God wants us to use both supernatural and natural means to get health in our life. Sometimes in the church, people only want miraculous supernatural, and they won't allow God to use a natural means to bring health back into their body. Sometimes you may need to go to physical therapy, and God bring a miracle in your life through physical therapy. See, this is what he's saying, that Jesus, because of their, their situation here, because they didn't honor him, their unbelief, he couldn't do miraculous things, but he did help some sick people. He did therapy them. He did do some things to help them get better. So we need to trust God in both the miraculous situation and the more natural situation because God can use both. But this is what Jesus was doing. He said he could only heal, he could only do some therapy for a few sick people. And verse six, and he marveled because of their what? He marveled because of their unbelief. The word marveled be like, wow, amazement. He was shocked. He was like, whoa, wow, because of their what? Unbelief. Now, what's unbelief mean? The word unbelief just means literally without faith. He marveled. He was amazed that they had no faith. Now, most of the time, this would get taught that, okay, so because of unbelief, Jesus was not able to do in many mighty works there. And I believe that's true because it says it right here. He couldn't do many, many mighty works because of their unbelief. But I want to talk about something more than that today. It's not just their unbelief that I want to talk about, but I want to talk about, notice that it says their unbelief means without honor. Verse four says there was without, I'm sorry, without faith, without honor in verse four, they're without faith in verse six. So I want to submit to you, you ready for this? I want to submit to you that where there is no honor, there can be no faith. Where they were without honor, 
There's no faith. So instead of just blaming unbelief as totally the reason all the time that we just don't have any faith, that could be the reason part of the time, but that doesn't mean it's the reason all the time that someone isn't receiving what God wants them to have. Sometimes it's not about unbelief. Sometimes it could be about a lack of honor because a lack of honor contributes to a lack of faith because you cannot release faith for something you don't honor. You can't reach where there was a lack of honor, it created an atmosphere that was a lack of faith. So we know that honor and faith are connected. Why is that? Because honor speaks to value. And if you don't value the person that God is wanting to use to minister to you, you're not going to receive from them everything that God wants you to get. As long as we look at them and we say, oh, I know them. I know their life. Oh, I, I, I know them. I know them. God can't do anything great through them. God couldn't touch me through them. So we don't value them. I'm not going to release faith. So if I go up to someone for prayer, if I would come to you for prayer, and I go, oh, well, <laughs> you're not the pastor. So go ahead, just give me whatever you got. I'm sure you're... do your best, but I've got my eye set on this person over here who's a little more important. And as soon as they're free, I'm going to go have them pray for me. Go ahead, just, you know, can't hurt. If I don't honor, I'm not going to release faith for that prayer. That's what was happening. They didn't honor Jesus as the son of God. He was just the son of Mary. He's just a carpenter. So they were not honoring him like, Jesus is here. Here's what honor looks like. Here's what honor looks like. In an illustration in your Bible, a woman with an issue of blood says to herself, if I can just touch the edge of his clothes, I will be healed. I will press through the crowd. I will fight through everybody. I will sneak up behind him and I will just touch. That's honor. Honor. And he he said, oh, whoa, whoa, time out. Who touched me? Jesus, are you crazy? Everybody's touching you. He said, no, 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 no. Somebody touched me with honor. Somebody touched me with honor. And when you touched me with honor, faith was released. My garment's the same, but the touch was not the same. Come on, somebody's got to help me. My clothes are the same, but the touch is different. When we touch with honor, we pull on something. We say, hey, there's a value here that when I come forward for prayer or when I call somebody or whatever, I I honor, Lord, I'm going to pull on something from you. And when that woman fought through the crowd and touched that garment, she was doing great honor that even his very clothes were powerful enough to heal her. Why did people in the New Testament put people out in the streets hoping that Peter's shadow might touch them so that they would be healed? Peter, he denied Jesus three times. You remember Peter? Cursed, cussed at that servant girl who said that he was a follower of Jesus. And now later, they're laying people in his shadow. What's happening? Honor is happening. They're not honoring Peter. They're honoring the power that's flowing through Peter. And I'm telling you, we don't have to honor people and look at them to be our solution, but we got to honor the power of God flowing through people. So when you come to me and you give a word to me or try to encourage me, I'm not looking to you and your whole life and all of your circumstances and every single decision you've ever made in your life before I qualify, whether I can receive from you. I look at you and I say, is God speaking to me? And I'm going to honor the God that's speaking through you that I'm going to hear from God and I'm going to receive that by faith. It's what honor will do in our life. We've got to have honor because he wants to do something incredible in our life. But without honor, we could miss it. So let me give you three key components to honor. Three key components to honor in our life. Honor is essential in our relationships. And I I want to talk about, here's the first key. Go to Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to have you turn to two other scriptures 
after Mark. So we already got one. We're going to go to two others. Galatians chapter 5. I want you to see it. Flip over there in your phone or turn over there in your Bible. Galatians chapter 5. I want to look at verse 1. Here's what, here's what it says in Galatians 5 verse 1. Stand fast. Therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Here's the first key to honor. You ready for this? The first key for honor is freedom. Freedom. To have a culture of honor in your life, we have to have a culture of freedom. Freedom is is essential. He said that Jesus died to make you free. So once Jesus died to make you free, don't go back and get tangled again in the bondage of sin. Jesus died to set you free. Don't get caught going into bad habits, doing those things again, getting around wrong connections, getting around the wrong people, and all of a sudden, I'm tangled up in a mess again. Why? Jesus said, I want you to walk in freedom. Walk in freedom. Freedom is a key part of walking. He says the liberty is a word that means freedom. And here's what honor is. An honoring leadership is not command and control. Honor in a relationship. Okay, I'm going to speak to you in 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 a number of ways. I'm going to talk about your spouse relationship, about your kids, about your coworkers, whatever it may be. If you're going to be a leader in life, your leadership has to be a culture of honor and not of command and control. If your go-to move is to play the power card, then your leadership needs to grow. Your honor needs to grow. You need to honor people because honor is about freedom. Freedom. Let me, t- let me tell you what I'm talking about here in, in right context. When Jesus uh, uh, came and died on the cross, he said he bought us, bought us into a culture of freedom. Galatians 5.1 says it in the complete Jewish Bible. It says it this way. What the Messiah has freed us for is freedom. Therefore, stand firm and do not let yourselves be tied up again in a yoke of slavery. Honor is a culture of freedom, not control. Not control. Here's what I wrote down. Honor is based on love and love, true love, produces freedom. Honor is based on love. True love produces freedom. Dishonor, dishonor is based on fear, and fear produces control. What we're afraid of, we try and control. If you truly love someone, you give them freedom. If you're afraid, then you try and control them. Try and control their decisions. Try and control what they do. Try and control. And you get afraid that they will mess up, and so you try and control them. And it's not love. Well, I just love them, so I'm trying to. No, no, it's not love. It's fear. I'm afraid they'll make a bad decision, so you try and control them. Love gives them freedom, even at the cost of making a mistake. Because that's the way your heavenly father is with you. He gives you freedom. God is a great example of what love looks like and what honor looks like. Honor brings freedom. God God isn't interested in control. God is not a father of control. God is not interested in controlling every detail of your life. I used to think that way. I I was taught that way growing up, that, Chad, God's in control of everything about your life. You can rest in that. Like, wow, God's in control of everything. So what are my decisions again? What do I need to decide? It doesn't matter. God's in control. If he's in control of everything, then what does it matter of what I decide? 
And I had to learn that God's built us into a culture of love and true love is freedom. The freedom to accept or the freedom to reject. How would it be in a, in a culture of control in relation, and some societies have this, for, for my wife to truly love me, to truly love me, that means she had the option of accepting me or choosing someone else. She had to choose me. What would it be like if she had no choice and someone said, Chad, you, or Don, you have to marry Chad. Sorry, you have to, you have to. Is that a love situation? Is that true love? Is that true freedom? Or is that control? That's control. And God did not bring us into a world of control. He brought us into a world of freedom. And he gave us choices, just like the tree in the Garden of Eden, right? He planted a tree in the middle of the Garden of Eden. He told Adam and Eve, he said, don't eat of this tree. You can have any of the trees you want. Total freedom. All these other trees, just don't eat of this one. Don't eat of this one. Now, what did he do? He loved them. He loved them. So in his love, he gave them the freedom to do what he even told them not to do. Here's what honor looks like. Honor gives freedom in your relationships. Honor gives freedom to your spouse. Honor gives freedom to your kids. Freedom. Even if they're going to use it in the wrong way, they have the freedom. They have to learn that their decisions, their choices are going to have their own consequences. Let me ask you this about freedom. This, this kind of tripped me up. Some of you might, you, some of you enjoy this. Here's some of my thought process. Sometimes when I'm wondering, I'm like, God, tell me what to do, tell me what to do, tell me what to do. Now that I understand that God's trying to bring me up as a son, he's bringing me up in a culture of freedom. He's trying to teach me to think like him, act like him, and talk like him, and the freedom to do it whether I want to or whether or not. He's bringing me up into that because he loves it when I choose his ways. Come on, parents, how many of you love when your kids choose what you know is best for them? You didn't make them do it, but they chose it all on your own. You want to do a happy dance. <laughs> Woo! You're like, you know, some of them times you're, you're pouring into your kids, you're pouring into them, and, and you don't think they're paying any attention at all. They're rolling their eyes at you, or they're doing whatever, and you think they're not absorbing any of it, and then all of a sudden they're talking with somebody, and out of their mouth rolls this wisdom, and you're like, what? That's awesome. You were paying attention. Man, it makes a parent feel good, right? Well, it's the same way your heavenly father feels. Whenever he teaches you and instructs you and you choose his ways, you can do whatever you want, but you choose his ways and you say what he would have you to say instead of blowing your top and cussing them out and telling all this bad stuff. But you walk in honor and you bless them. He's like, whoa, great job. That's a proud daddy. So that's the culture that he wants us to walk in. That's what he has, has for us. He wants to walk in that kind of freedom. So now, that was my point. Back to my point. So what if he's raised me, raised me up in that culture and sometimes, you know, I thought, God, you gotta tell me what to do. You gotta tell me what to do. There's always a God answer. There's always a right way and always a wrong way. There's always a right way and always a wrong way. God, tell me what to do. I don't wanna mess up. I don't wanna screw up. That's my prayer life at a, at a time in my life. God, you gotta tell me. God, tell me what's right. God, I understand asking for that, so don't take it out of context, but here's what I found. What if, ready for this culture of honor and freedom? What if God loves you so much and he trusts you enough that he's just waiting to see what you decide? What if the reason you haven't heard what God's telling you to do yet is because he loves you and he trusts you and what he's poured into your life and he's excited to see what you would choose? Well, what if I chose wrong? What if I screwed up? God, you just got to tell me. You just got to tell me. Control me, God. You just control me. I don't want to screw up. He says, no, 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 no. I'm raising you up to be a son or a daughter. 
I want you to choose wisely. I want to empower you. I don't want to control you. I'm not trying to control my sons and daughters. I'm trying to empower my sons and daughters so they will be like me. When they have the choice to do whatever they want, but they choose to follow my precepts, he's like, yes, I'm making some mini-me's. He doesn't like to make mini-me's like pull them out of a machine, control little robots. Okay, I will serve Jesus my whole life. I will serve Jesus. I will not turn and look at anything filthy. I trust you, God. That's not what he wants. He wants you to have freedom of choice and to choose him out of love. When we choose him out of love, it makes him so happy. He does his happy dance. He does a scripture. The Bible says that he rejoices over you a dancing because he gets happy when we choose him. This is the kind of freedom that he wants us to have. Now, what if somebody can abuse that, Chad? I can't give that kind of freedom. What if they screw up? Look at verse 13 of Galatians chapter 5. Can it happen? Absolutely, it can happen. For you, brethren, have been called to freedom. Yes, freedom. I heard Chad say it. Freedom, yes, I want freedom. Only do not use freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Here's the integrity side of walking in freedom. We need freedom, but we need integrity. And here's what integrity does. Integrity says we're going to do what's right because it's right even if nobody's looking. This reason I know this verse, Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 so well is because my parents gave it to me one time when they were going to be gone and going to leave me alone overnight. (laughs) They're getting ready to leave. They said, Chad, we have something we want to tell you. Okay. Pull out the Bible, Galatians 5, 13. Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Are you serious? I never forgot it. Do you know what? That whole time... I felt conviction. Freedom was there, but don't screw up your freedom. But I'm telling you, the love of God is what wants to draw you, not fear of screwing up, but just the love of God that I want to choose him. So now integrity says, I want to do what's right because it's right. We got to walk in integrity. We've got to walk in honor and integrity. I believe followers of Jesus, we need to make sure our integrity is as strong as we possibly can be. I'm not talking about being perfect, but I'm saying if we're going to come into church and be followers of Jesus, we shouldn't be cheating on our taxes. If we're going to be followers of Jesus and walk in integrity, then we shouldn't be shortcutting on business deals. If we're followers of Jesus, you know, we go in to pay for something and they, they make a mistake and don't charge us the full amount and we know it, we don't walk out the door going, well, praise the Lord, God provided for me. No, 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 that was a mistake. That wasn't a blessing, that was a mistake. Integrity turns you around, goes back in the store and says, I'm sorry, but you undercharged me, here's the full amount. That's integrity. Integrity says, no one would know this, but I'm gonna tell the truth. Nobody would know the difference, but God does. That's what he's calling us to, people, places of integrity that no one will know, but God knows. This is what honor and integrity mean in our life and why we need to have it, because we're not answering to people. I'm not answering to social media. I'm answering to to the King of kings and Lord of lords. You may never know the thoughts and intents of my heart, but God does. You may never know what's going on in somebody else's life, but God does. And it's not a fear thing. It's a freedom thing to understand. He knows anyway. I might as well be honest. Because until we're honest with where we are, we'll never get where God wants us to be. 
Sometimes people won't have integrity about their lives. They'll, de- they'll deceive their parents. They'll sneak out. They're doing stuff on the fly, on the, si- on the sly. They're doing stuff outside the house. They're, they're doing things that, that nobody knows about. And they think, hey, it's no problem. Nobody knows. Nobody knows what's going on. Jesus knows. He knows. He knows. And you're only messing up yourself by not walking in integrity. Be integrous. Let people know where you stand. Be honest about it. That's the first one, integrity in our freedom. Let me give you a second key. Second key, valuing relationships. Here's the second key to honor. We got to value relationships. Here's what it says in John 13. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this, all will know. Everybody say, by this. All will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. What is the one thing that the world will know that we are different from other people? By this, all will know that you're followers of Jesus because they saw my car in the parking lot on Sunday. By this, all will know that you're a follower of Jesus because I have a bumper sticker that says I love Jesus. By this, all will know. What is it? How will everybody know that you're a follower of Jesus? By the love you have for one another. Here's the value in honor. We got to value relationships. We got to love people. We got to walk in in love. We got to operate the way he wants us to walk, uh, the way he wants us to operate. When we're born again, we're born into a family. We're born into a family. We're born into a family with brothers and sisters, right? When you're born again. How many ever heard this phrase? that you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your relatives. (laughs) And usually the context for that is, is that I'm not super excited about my relatives. Someone would usually say that when say, well, I, I can't pick my relatives, I'm stuck with my relatives. Well, guess what? When you're born again into the family of God, you get your relatives, you don't get to pick them, they're just here. And some of us, all of us have our issues. So how are we going to honor relationships? We're going to honor relationships when we value each other, even if they have issues. We love people above their issues because we're family. This is how family operates. When you're born into this family, it's like uh, the phrase, like it's just the family way. Well, here's the family way in the kingdom of God. We love people. We love people. What if people aren't lovely? I've had this conversation several times and I'm sure I'm going to have it several more times with my kids. I was having one yesterday talking about a situation and, and you know, they say things, you'll hear your kids talking and, and you'll say to them, do we talk like that? It's a rhetorical question because they should know the answer. But Hey, do we talk like that? Do we act like that? Hey, 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 is that the way we talk? Why? What am I saying? That's not our family way. We don't do that. Well, guess what? There's a family way in the kingdom of God, and we don't look at how other people act. We look at how the family acts. I don't care if they're acting crazy and acting a fool. How does God tell me to act? How does God tell me to respond? I was asking one of my kids, and, uh, and uh, I said, yeah, okay. There's something about a situation going on. I said, yeah, but, but what does Jesus tell us to do for our enemies? Love them. (laughs) What does Jesus tell us to do for people who curse us? Bless them. It's the family way. It's the family way. Is it easy? No. (laughs) No. I don't think I got to tell you that. That's not some news flash. But here's the news flash. When we walk in that kind of honor, 
that kind of value, it frees us up. Now you're not under the control of other people's opinions of you. You walk in freedom. You just love them unconditionally. That's the value of loving people. This is why we want to have this in our life. Let me give you the third key. Third key to this is destiny. I love this one. Go to Romans chapter 12. We'll quit here. Romans chapter 12. So we've got the first key is freedom. We've got to walk in freedom, a culture of freedom, not control, letting people make their own decisions. Second key, we're valuing our relationships. We're loving people in the family way. We're building relationships. We're protecting relationships. We're thankful for them. In Romans chapter 12, the third key is destiny. Honor is about seeing the destiny more than the current behavior. Let me say this. Honor in a relationship is about seeing the destiny more than the current, be- current behavior. In Romans chapter 12, I'm going to start reading in verse 3. It says, for I say through the grace given to me to everyone who's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. And it goes on to talk about the different things that you can use. So he says, uh, we have different gifts according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Look at your neighbor and say, use what you got. Use what you got. Use what you got. God has given to each one. Here's a value of honor. We need to see the destiny on the inside of people through God's eyes. And then we need to honor their relationship according to their difference and not according to us being the same. Here's a powerful principle in that. I'll use it in the context of of marriage just because it's a good relational connection to honor. I used to think when when we first got married, I used to think that the differences, this is talking about honoring differences, right? Because we're all members of one body, but we have different gifts. I used to think that the differences between Dawn and I, that she had some things she looked at a different way and did a certain way. I used to think that her differences made her wrong. I used to think she was like broke. And I used to think this way. I used to, and pray for me, I know it's not right, but I used to think this way. I used to say, man, what's wrong with her? I would say, God, I would pray this way. Say, God, how are we going to get her where we are? Say, God, I I don't know how you're going to do it. Better you than me. But Lord, how how are you going to fix her? She's got problems. So Lord, I just cast my care onto you. You know, I used to think that. And, And then God began to deal with my heart and realize that the differences. He said, she's not broke. You are. Because youth are only willing to receive from one perspective. But I created her different and to look at things a different way because I want you to be able to see something from a different angle. Instead of always seeing it from a way that you're comfortable, I want to bring something to you from a different angle. I want to show you something from a different perspective. So now the way she looks at things now is a gift to me instead of a challenge to me. Now, I still have to, I'm still challenged sometimes. Like, I just don't see it that way. Uh, Let's be honest. You know, there's times I'm like, I I just don't see it that way. But 
now I'm understanding to value, to honor the God that could be speaking to me through her. See, this is what it's about, understanding the difference, that not everybody is going to do the same thing. Not everybody, their gifting or their responsibility is to get up here and speak to people. But that doesn't mean you don't have an incredible value to the kingdom of God. Some of you are under, under appreciating your value to the kingdom. You're not honoring your gifting because you don't think anybody notices. Because you don't think you're in front of a lot of people, you're influencing a lot of people. I'm telling you, your gift is making a difference. Appreciate what God has given you. Honor it because if we don't honor it, no one will. I'm telling you, there's a fine line. We talked about humility last week. There's a fine line. Again, false humility and pride. If we don't honor what God has given us, then we're not going to be able to as effective as what God wants us to be because we aren't seeing it. So now this honor system walks in a way of destiny that when you see people, here's what I want us to do. I want us to start calling out the destiny on the inside of them. I want us to see the gold on the inside of people. Honor looks beyond the current behavior and sees the destiny in the individual. Honor, here's what honor does. Honor looks through the lenses of heaven at an individual. That's true honor. Familiarity says, I know them. That's just K. I don't care. K's this way, K's that way, K got that. You know, it's K. Honor, honor, uh, dishonor would look at my wife and say, oh, that's just Dawn. That's just, you know, it's just Dawn sometimes. It's, but honor looks through the lenses of heaven and says, God, what do you see when you see them? What do you see when you see them? This is what we want in our culture of honor, that we start to call out destiny in people, that you're not looking for every person that comes through the doors. We want to honor them as a value, a valuable gift to the kingdom of God. Whether they, they make $2 million a year or $10,000 a year, whether they preach or whether they just serve in this capacity or serve in that capacity or serve in that, it doesn't matter. There's no higher value on any gifting. We're all different. But God said, if you will honor and value people, I will raise a culture of identity of who we are in Christ and we are members will come together and we'll be able to do something much greater together than we could individually because we've got to honor the uniqueness of who we are. We're looking at people through the eyes of God. I'm looking at you through the eyes of God and I don't see what you see. You got to see destiny. You got to see destiny. You got to see individuals through the lens because some, sometimes people have written you off and, and they've said you can only be this. You're only a carpenter. You're only this. You're just the person who works at CVS. You're just the person who's this. You're just, but God sees so much more. He sees so much more. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're looking at today, but I want you to begin to honor the things around you that God's put in your life. I want us to look at our integrity. So I want us to pray. If you would just Pray with me, and I'm going to ask you to pray about two things, and then we're going to give opportunity for those who want to get born again. We already had two people in the first service, spectacular what God's done in their lives. But I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, what do you want me to receive out of this message? Lord, where are there places in my life that I'm not honoring what you've called me to honor? Where am I trying to control through fear instead of allowing for freedom? Where am I not valuing a relationship? I'm not loving like you've called me to love. Where am I not seeing the eternal perspective, the destiny in a situation? Am I too familiar 
And that lack of, that lack of honor in my life is causing me to not believe that it's possible. Too familiar. Maybe praying this way, Lord, where are there places in my life that my integrity needs to be sharpened? My integrity. Folks, we gotta be honest. I know one area that God began to speak to me about integrity, just being transparent, it's been several, several, many, many, I don't know how many years ago. Several years ago, I was using the company stamps to mail my bills. Nothing major. Nobody was really even making a big deal about it. It wasn't like it was a big secret. It was okay. I was in charge, so. But one day as I'm putting a stamp on an envelope, the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, are those your stamps? I'm telling you, it's like he slapped me in my face. Integrity is honest, even if it hurts. Integrity tells the truth, even if it makes you look bad. Integrity is honest with where you are instead of trying to pretend you're somewhere where you're not. Where has your integrity been compromised because of social acceptance? Everyone else is doing it. Everyone says it's okay. We do not answer to culture, to society, for our integrity. We answer to Jesus. My integrity is not to be measured by people around me and what they think is okay and what they don't think is okay. My integrity is to be measured by the Holy Spirit and what God whispers into my heart and says, Chad, that's not for you to do. I know, but Lord, other Christians do it. That's not for you to do. I want you to stay away from that. I don't want you to talk that way. Is that the way we talk? Is that the way we respond? Well, everybody would respond if it happened to them. Is that the way we respond? Honor, integrity. We just give your life to Jesus in those areas and say, God, I wanna honor the things that you've put in my life. I wanna honor what you've done for me. I wanna honor the people that's around me. I don't wanna take anyone for granted. I don't wanna minimize the value of a person that's praying for me or speaking into my life. I wanna honor the people that are above me. Can I say this, that honor is not limited to just your family members, and I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the body of Christ. Honor is not limited to just those in the body of Christ. A culture of honor is a person who will honor those that are in authority, even if they're not believers. You'll walk in honor, you will honor them. You don't have to agree with them, you don't have to support them, but you honor them. You honor them. Honor those that are in authority. Honor those that are your bosses. Even if your boss is a, is a rough boss or your, your boss, he or her, they're not treating you right. They're not doing you right. You honor them. Why? Because it's the family way that you believe that God is on your side and he can do for you for what no man can do for you. If you walk in honor and integrity, the Lord will make sure you are taken care of. Honor. Honor your spouse. Value them. Honor who they are, honor your differences. There's a big difference between acknowledging the differences between the two of you and honoring them. Now I'm supposed to honor our differences and not just put up with them. 
I'm supposed to honor them. I'm supposed to value them. I'm supposed to appreciate them. That's what God's speaking to you. Honor it. Father, I just pray for honor and integrity to fill our hearts today. Man, what you've done in our life, we cannot speak enough how grateful we are for the people that you've put across our path. So Holy Spirit, I pray that this word will not just be a sermon that touches our hearts for a moment, but God, I pray it be something that sinks deep and becomes part of our DNA, that we will honor people, that we will honor the gift that you've given to us. We will not minimize it, but God, I pray that the uniqueness of who we are and who you've created us to be, we will honor that. Build a culture of honor, God, in this house. Build it, Lord, that we will celebrate our differences. We will celebrate the uniqueness of individuals' talents and giftings. God, I pray that people will feel welcomed and valued because of honor. That faith will soar because of honor in the house. Honor for your presence and honor for your people. Thank you, Lord, for the integrity. I pray that conviction will come where integrity has been compromised. Show us, Lord. Show us where we're cheating. Show us where we're taking shortcuts. Show us where we're not being completely honest. Show us, God, so that we can walk in freedom. We just give that to you in Jesus' precious name.